It's Murphy Houston on Mile High Magazine. Happy Sunday, everybody. Hope you're having a great weekend. We appreciate you listening to us here for Mile High Magazine, a nice weekly feature as we talk about a lot of topics that you think about or you hear about. And today is no exception. We're pleased to have Dr. Carl Clark from the Mental Health Center of Denver. Dr. Clark, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us today. First of all, where is the Mental Health Center of Denver? Well, we're all over the place. I mean, we have facilities that people come to us, but we also go to other people's facilities. So in all, it's about 272 places. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's uh, rather large. How do you keep up with that? Well, you know, um, our model has always been um, where, you know, some people would come to our clinics because that's what worked for them. But if there was a place where people were already going, we would go there. You know, so that would be like school-based clinics, uh, nursing homes, um, other community-based organizations like Urban Peak um, that helps, you know, young people uh, that are experiencing homelessness. Uh, and there's a high mental health need there. So we will we have one of our staff members there. Good for you guys. Now, is it mainly in the metro area or do you cover the whole state of Colorado? No, this is just Denver, actually. Wow. Um, yeah, we do have people from outside of Denver that get services from us, but our focus is really Denver. Well, Dr. Clark, obviously mental health is a big topic these days, especially with the pandemic. But how many people really struggle with mental health? Well, you know, so uh, prior to the pandemic, uh, we knew the numbers were one in five people are dealing with a mental health issue or a substance use issue. And so that's, uh, you know, 20 percent of the population Um, since the pandemic, which frankly has impacted the well-being of everybody, everyone. um, Those numbers have gone up. They're more than double. And the real issue is that um, of the one out of five people who need help, only two out of five are actually getting the help that they need. Uh, and it has to do with we don't have a big enough workforce. Um, and and there are other kind of like payment barriers that get in the way of people getting what they need. You're talking like insurance? Yeah, exactly. You know, we've had this, uh, in theory, um, this idea of parity where, you know, behavioral health services would be paid the same as any other sort of health services. And even though that's been on the book for 12 years, it never really has happened. Wow. It's incredible. So let, let's talk more specifically about when people come with mental health. Uh, can you break it down? I know you, we talk about drugs. And I also hear about the mental health problem of seniors in nursing homes because of loneliness. I mean, there's all kinds of variables, are there not? Yeah, there are. You know, it's interesting. When we say mental health, people immediately think mental illness. But the reality is, is that we all have mental health. We're somewhere on a continuum. Some people are doing just fine. Some people are thriving. Some people are, you know, impacted by the stress and the losses that have occurred with the pandemic. And that can result in having trouble. Um, And sometimes that trouble gets big enough to where um, it's actually an illness. And what's the good news, what the good news is, is that most people will recover from their illnesses if they, if they can get help. And the big ones, though, are anxiety. You know, that's the nervousness, you know. So that's about, um, you know, one out of five people who are dealing with a mental health problem 
um, will have anxiety. And then depression is the next big one. And absolutely, um, being isolated um, during this pandemic has impacted um, all of us. Um, I think we um, have come to know that this whole thing about mental health really is not an us-them thing. It's an us thing. Wow. Right? Yes. And and so, um, and there are things that, you know, people can do. I think we um, have come to understand that we are deeply social. Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. When, when you get that taken away, and especially with the with the children, the uh, kids that are in elementary school, high school, that have gone from classroom to home and not seeing their friends, you probably see a lot of that now, don't you? We do see that. And um, a part of it is uh, it, it kind of is happening in two ways. Um, when When kids are going to school and, you know, interacting with their friends and teachers, um, that mitigates a, a lot, right? And though, um, if somebody's having trouble, like in a school, they'll at least come to somebody's attention. But with kids being isolated at home, uh, that doesn't always happen. So the kids that wind up coming in are actually in more difficult circumstances than than usual. Yeah, that's got to be tough on them. And as parents, you see that. And what do you suggest parents do about that? Well, there's a couple things. Um, it depends on how old the kid is, right? Right. Um, and uh, if people go to our website, um, mhcd.org, we have a whole series of tips about, like, how do you talk to a 3-year-old versus a, a 13-year-old? Um, and, uh, and so uh, one of the things, though, is that, you know, kids – um, no matter what age, want to know that they're safe. You know, they want to they want to feel safe, and uh, and parents can absolutely help their kids with that. Do you suggest uh, not just youngsters or parents, people that are sitting around wondering, God, I just don't feel right, or my mind's not right? What do you suggest to them? The same thing. Go to your website. Well, actually, um, during the pandemic, we developed a second website. It's called You at Your Best. Um, and it's youatyourbest.com, and um, it is all about well-being. Um, so when you go on there, you sign in, and based on your sort of demographics, you know, male, female, age group, that sort of stuff, um, the content is curated for you. So the content that's curated for a teenager is different from an older adult. And people can do self-assessments on there, and you can look at, like, you know, how is my career going or how's my overall health going or how's my, you know, interactions in the community. And then uh, it will direct you towards content um, that will help you with that. And then if people need more than that, then there's a way to connect with services, too. And what is that website again so we can get that out there? Yeah, it's youatyourbest.com. So it's Y-O-U. A T Y O U R B E S T dot com. And uh, it's real easy. It's available. And it also connects people with resources. So, say somebody, you know, is having trouble with food security, um, uh, it will, based on where you are, give you locations where you can get help with that. Well, that too, that all runs the gamut, doesn't it? Food security. Who, who would think about that? But that is a situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there are things that we do in healthcare that are helpful to people. 
And then there are those things that have a bigger impact on people's overall health than anything anybody does in healthcare. Having a safe place to live, having a job, going to school. I mean, those are the big things that really impact our health. Yeah, and a lot of us take that for granted, unfortunately. And those those that need help need you guys. This is Dr. Carl Clark, Mental Health Center of Denver. I was reading in the notes that were sent over, Dr. Clark, because my grandkids are all over this Minecraft game. And it's been used to help teens that are struggling with mental health? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when we had to be isolated, right, um, and working remotely, we had a whole group of young people that were used to going to our Dahlia campus for health and well-being. So one of the therapists actually rebuilt the Dahlia campus in Minecraft and then invited um, the teenagers to come in and connect with services. And they love it, right? Oh, I'll bet. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a, an example of where, you know, you get restrictions and then somebody comes up uh, with something really creative. And the young people that have been involved, they can connect with others, you know, sure. through Minecraft and not have that isolation. And they've even gone so far as to they built a, their own stage within Minecraft so that they can celebrate each other's successes. Well, I know with some of the technology, and, and I see my grandchildren connecting with their friends that live somewhere else, and then somebody who lives somewhere else, and they're all grouped around playing Minecraft, and I suppose that's a real asset to them. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, that when when the young folks were coming over to our campus, sometimes they didn't show up, right? Yeah. Not not true with Minecraft. Like, they show <laughs> up all the time. <laughs> I know my uh, adult children are thinking my all their grandkids are just spending time playing Minecraft. They're not doing their homework. Well, now the word's out. It can help them a little bit. What am I going to tell them now? I can't stop them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, a little while ago you talked about the fact that the, the, there's more of a need for people in the mental health field to help the situations going on now. Why do you think there's not enough therapists out there now? Well, you know, um, it gets back to this parity issue that I mentioned earlier. Um, in healthcare, um, people that work in behavioral health, frankly, don't get paid as well as other parts of healthcare. And that influences people's decision about whether to do this kind of work. This work, I can tell you, is very meaningful. It's so, um, it's so heartwarming when somebody uh, is on that trajectory of getting their lives together and, and having the life that they want to have. So that um, is a great reward, but you have to pay the bills, too. Sure. And um, it costs a lot to become a therapist. Most of the young therapists that are um, coming to us um, out of school will have like $160,000 in student loan debt. Um, and going into a field that doesn't pay that well. so Well, how do you solve that problem? You don't. It's a situation. Well, you know, we, it, it's uh, in every way that you can imagine, you know, um, and certainly, um, for example, in our state, our attorney general has a whole crew that's working on this issue around parity to make sure that the payments um, improve. That's a good thing. So as the pandemic seems to be getting easier, do you think the problems with mental health situations will ease a bit, or is it going to continue to grow? Well, a lot of folks feel like this is the second um, epidemic, right? Right. It's the emotional impact that um, the isolation, the grief, the loss has had on, on people. 
So we're going to see this um, rise for a while. I can tell you for us, um, our, our calls to our, uh, our walk-in clinic um, and, and in the state, to the statewide crisis line, are 30% higher than they were a year ago. Oh, my. Um, yeah. And so, um, so the, the, the need will be around for, for quite a while. So if people are out there, what do you suggest? I mean, they now realize, well, maybe I really should be reaching out. Besides the website, is there anything else they can be doing? Well, um, they can certainly call um, the statewide crisis line. And, you know, frankly, I wish they hadn't called it a crisis line because um, it's a group of professional staff that know how to help people connect with services. And so I say if you're just a little bit worried, call, right? Yes. I mean, it's a great resource in the community. And um, and because people can talk themselves out of calling, right? It's sort of like, well, I feel depressed, but am I crisis depressed? I'm not that kind of depressed. And I say, just call. Yeah. We are not specialists. You guys are. Reach out and get the help, right? So hopefully as things uh, get easier, this mental health situation will ease up a little bit, especially with the youngsters we care about. Do you agree? I do. I do. You know, there are a lot of things that people can do. Um, and one of the things that when we're feeling stressed, it's our body's way of telling us that there's something important um, to us that we're concerned about. And um, But our bodies are sort of in a reactive phase when we're feeling stress, the sort of fight or flight response. And if you just acknowledge the stress, but like I am feeling stress, it actually moves it from that reactive part of the brain to our frontal lobes where we can then start problem solving, you know, and it's sort of like, well, what, what you know, why am I stressed? What am I stressed about? And is there anything I can do to feel like I have a sense of control? So, um, so it's really, it's really the, the best thing that people can do. And then the other, this is kind of sounds odd, but pick a time of day to be stressed. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, you want to have good energy for that time of day and you can spend five, 10, 15, 30 minutes but what it does when we pick a time of day to be stressed and kind of unpack, you know, what we're stressed about, we're not stressed 24-7 because our brain kind of has this way of like, oh, I'm going to deal with my stress at 2 this afternoon. Okay. Interesting. Well, before I let you go here, Dr. Clark, give us the websites again that people can reach out to. Yes. Um, so uh, mhcd.org, um, lots of good resources there for uh, how to deal with the stresses of the pandemic and how to talk with your kids. And the other is youatyourbest.com. Well, Dr. Carl Clark, Mental Health Center of Denver, keep up the good work, you guys. You're really helping a lot of people, as you well already know. And uh, if you need a little help, time to reach out and get that help. And thanks for coming on Mile High Magazine. Yeah, thanks for airing this. And this is Murphy Houston. We'll be right back.